Welcome to the Piggy Bank Chronicles, a podcast about money, investing, and bringing home the bacon. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 27, Game the Game. This week, we've got a special guest. Kyle's joining us to help talk about the uh, possible acquisition of Activision Blizzard, Inc. by Microsoft Corporation. Kyle, how are you doing today? I am not doing too bad at all myself, JJ. How about you? I'm doing great. It is it is July 3rd as we record, and I am on vacation, as are you, so this is this is all gravy here. So I'm doing pretty yeah, absolutely. well. Absolutely. So, uh, Kyle, I, I, you want to introduce yourself to the folks? You want to just dive into this, or how do you want to tackle it? Yeah, I'll do, I'll do a short little introduction just to give some background. Uh, I am... Uh, the host of this podcast that you are listening to right now, JJ, I am his son-in-law. Uh, I'm married to his daughter. Uh, but we have been uh, qu- grown quite together uh, through playing many, many games together uh, and just having a lot of discussions. And so it felt like this topic was perfect for us to dive into together uh, as being gamers ourselves, um, especially tied very closely to Activision Blizzard King uh, games. So I'm I'm definitely excited to dive into this topic. Very cool, very cool. Well, I can I can introduce these titans of American industry here for you. I'm gonna give I'm gonna hit you with some stats on these guys before we roll into it. Okay, so these are these are just big picture stats. So bear with me for just a sec. So in one corner we have Microsoft Corporation ticker MSFT. A $2.53 trillion market cap company as of today with a forward PE of 35.31. So a very expensive company as they go. Dividend yield of 0.8%. So on the low side, a short interest of 0.6%. So nobody's really betting against them very heavily with the CEO of this juggernaut of software and cloud services is Satya Nadella. So that is that's in one corner, and then the other corner, the to be acquired, the the smaller fish in the pond, Activision Blizzard Inc. ticker ATVI, a sixty-six point two seven billion market cap company. So by comparison, a tiny little company, but not so small as all that. Forward P of twenty-one point two five, so a much more inexpensive stock than Microsoft is at this time, based on its earnings. It does not yield a dividend. Shame on them. Short interest of two point five nine percent. So the market's not betting on their CEO Bobby Kotick to lead Activision Blizzard to the promised land. In fact. We'll probably talk a little bit about some of the woes that Bobby has had running the company and some of the challenges they face. So those are our there's our acquirer and our acquiree in this this scenario. So this has been going on for what, Kyle, like a year now or something? Uh, well, a little bit, uh, quite well over a year, actually, at this point. Uh, it was January 18th of 2022 uh, that the acquisition was uh, announced or the attempt to acquire uh, was announced. So it's been yeah, almost 18 months at this point, maybe 17 months. And so it's definitely been going on for quite, quite a while. Um, and it's kind of, uh, I will definitely get to this at some point with, uh, you've already mentioned kind of going in uh, to Bobby a little bit more, um, but it was only four days after the whole uh, court case, or not court case, but the whole court findings of uh, Activision Blizzard and all of the uh, harassment um, suits going on. It was only four days after all of that had come out that the news of Microsoft wanting to acquire them um, came out as well. So. Yeah, that was a really disappointing revelation from Activision Blizzard, the, the sort of the... Uh, I believe there were there were like internal harassment cases. There was inappropriate treatment of uh, different genders working in the company. You know, uh, men being paid higher than women in the same job. Women being harassed by leadership. And if I'm going to go ahead and pick up the first rock and throw it, it it, it still <laughs> baffles me that Bobby Kotick is still the CEO of this company as he presided over this debacle of a corporate culture at the time and let it go for whatever it was to this point and somehow isn't held accountable for it. And 
I was, and, and what really bothered me about the early announcements of the acquisition was that he was going to remain the head of that division within Microsoft. I'm like, if, if I'm voting, this guy needs to go, right? No, I completely agree. Although I, when I was looking into it, I don't things might have changed since then. Uh, but it was, uh, apparently there were articles released by Wall Street Journal and Bloomberg. Mm -hmm. that uh, Kotick was suspected or expected to leave Activision right as uh, the purchase went through. Well, I thought he I was going to remain in this. some role that he was going to... Maybe, maybe quite possible. Times are changing, and maybe that was part of the deal, but he's still out there. He was... He was uh, I was looking at a Verge article, theverge.com, mm -hmm. and he's, he and uh, Satya Nadella were testifying before the uh, Federal Trade Commission uh, yeah, this week about the merger. And it's interesting, you know, um, kind of the, the scope of how the, the two excerpt comments that The Verge pulled out of these guys, right? So just, just to share with you the quote from Satya Nadella, which I think is really interesting. He says, and this is him speaking, if it was up to me, I would love to get rid of the entire exclusives on consoles, but that's not for me to define, especially as a low share player in the console market. The dominant player there, Sony, has defined market competition using exclusives. So that's the world we live in. I have no love for that world. So very specific kind of calling out the whole Call of Duty controversy with the acquisition that's been brought forward, speaking directly to it, and criticizing Sony, who's been the most vocal opponent of the merger. Meanwhile, they go to Kotech, and the quote they give for Kotech sounds a little less professional. It's like, and I quote, playing Modern Warfare 2 on a phone would be like using a refrigerator as a safe. CEO Activision Blizzard, Bobby Kotech. <laughs> like... Interesting. That is <laughs> it really it really is an attempt to draw a dichotomy between these two guys, I think. Yeah. With these quotes. It is a, that's a very interesting quote. Yeah, it doesn't really it, it it almost feels like it doesn't really mean anything. Like it's it just seems like he's kinda of throwing words out to just have something to say. There seems to be some in this article, it sounds like they brought out some heavyweight testifier guy. Um, I guess his name is uh, Dennis Carlton. He's a PhD. Microsoft called him to the uh, to testify. He's an economics expert who sounded like he, according to the article, it says he sounded like he's paid two thousand an hour to read Verge articles. <laughs> so he's just quoting crap that they've already published. I guess is what they're saying. But um, mm -hmm. so they brought out the heavyweight guns. They interviewed both CEOs this week. It's been been an active court case, but I guess. You know, one of the things we always want to talk about is what does it mean to us? What's what's in it for us? Because you and I would perhaps be described as fairly avid video gamers from time to time. You probably more than me, but I do play <laughs> at least weekly. I'm playing video games. And when you look at the landscape around Sony and, and their online content and Xbox and their online content and the whole Call of Duty universe and even the other big franchises that belong to Blizzard, uh, it's 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 interesting, right? It's going to be it, it would it would be an interesting change, and the big argument is around, is around exclusivity, right? There there's a, mm -hmm. an argument that it becomes anti-competitive and will block out other platforms from having access to. I think a a, a franchise that you have a fair amount of affinity for with Call of Duty. Oh, absolutely! It's Call of Duty is I mean it is the the biggest. I think it I've. I may be incorrect here, but I, I'm pretty positive Call of Duty by like uh, revenue is the biggest game franchise in the world. Um, a lot of that coming from the microtransactions uh, within the game for people buying like skins for the weapons and their characters and whatnot. But it is it is a massive game, and I have sunk many many hours uh, into it myself. So you don't think Pokemon Go is rising above that? Is what you're saying? <laughs> No, I don't think so. I, I mean, it, it, Pokemon Go had its had its moment in the sun. In but it, I, yeah, <laughs> to, to 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 even uh, kind of go on a not a, not a tangent, but just a little side piece. I've actually heard news that um, Niantic is trying to shut down Pokemon Go coming up soon. Really? Mm -hmm. There, they fired off a lot of people in that division. Well, that's interesting. 
I haven't read too much about that, though, so I'm not, not going to have any more to say. Yeah, yeah. We're, 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 I, I, saw, I saw a rumor about that. We're going to stay focused on this battle of a heavyweight <laughs> versus a lightweight versus a heavyweight as Sony kind of looms in the background and whines and complains mm -hmm. about eh, anti-competitive this, eh, anti-competitive mm -hmm. that. It's like... And, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> so, and that was actually a, a, one of the quotes coming from the, the judge uh, that is actually ruling over this court case uh, with Microsoft against the FTC. Um, went in and uh, was talking about the uh, the acquisition and how Sony was mainly complaining about it uh, because of Call of Duty. Um, and they pulled out the stats saying that 62% of PlayStation owners don't have never played Call of Duty. Um, and that she even kind of came in uh, and quote said, all this for a shooter video game? We're concerned about competition for this one shooter video game? So... It's it's seeming very much like even the uh, even the judge feels like this isn't that big of a deal uh, for Microsoft to come in and try to take over Activision just because of this one game Sony's complaining about. Well, what's what's interesting about this to me is when you look at specifically some platform like Steam, who was really the first of the big buy it here, run it here community here platforms out there that that pick up picked up traction in the pc space separate from the consoles they really can bully around their competitors like uh what is it uh, epic and even the what is the the battle battle net from from activision blizzard yep. there you know steam is the juggernaut when it comes to pc games but nobody's screaming about them being a monopoly even though clearly if you want to get a video game out to content consumers on the PC and you're not on Steam, you ain't making much headway these days, right? I mean... Absolutely, yeah. So why all of a sudden... I think it's just because Microsoft starts big. They are one of the largest companies in the world at over $2 trillion, over $2.5 trillion market cap. So they're huge. It's a very big company. Their mainstay, they're basically a two-trick pony. Their operating systems and business software automation being their, their core productivity software suites and then their cloud services with Azure. And that is Microsoft. That is the bulk of where their revenue comes from. I think gaming, I'm not certain. I haven't looked at the numbers. I should have. I'm lazy. I didn't look it up. <laughs> I'm pretty certain that gaming is a very distant third in that category. I'm not saying it's it's nothing or immaterial, but I'm pretty sure it's a distant third. So why, why are the regulator having a cow over an attempt to increase the stature of the least compelling component of Microsoft's? You know, portfolio are their their revenue streams. I guess the the, yeah, the third know. third hat trick in there, and I, it's like the same thing coming from Sony. I have to imagine that the the majority of their uh, revenue is not coming from PlayStation. It's going to be coming from all of their other hardware services, from like Blu-ray players. I mean, those aren't as popular anymore, but still, like their TVs and just every little component that Sony is able to work on, like. I, I don't feel like the gaming um, portion of their business is so massive to where they need to worry about something like this happening, especially with Microsoft and Xbox coming out and very much publicly saying that they don't want to get rid of Call of Duty or any of uh, most of the Activision Blizzard games on these platforms. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kotex said that he didn't have anything to do with those <laughs> issues at yes. Blizzard. I, I, I don't put too much stock into those statements only because it's easy to say one thing and do another 10 years from now. Once once yeah, we're yeah, long absolutely. past the merger, nobody's going to come and re-regulate the problem, essentially. But I don't think it offers... I mean, Activision Blizzard's catalog is material, but it's not like Electronic Arts isn't there. It's not like Bungie isn't there. It's not like there aren't other major Bungie. players in the space. Bungie was just acquired by Sony this year. Okay, so there you go. So you see what I'm saying? You're making my point for me. Yep. <laughs> somehow, <laughs> somehow the regulators didn't find that to be offensive, but they find Microsoft acquiring Activision yeah. to be offensive. And I mean, I, I, when, I, when I think of Activision Blizzard, I, I, I can't, I almost can't combine the two because 
I've been gaming a few minutes more than you, Kyle. And back in the day, <laughs> on the Atari 2600, you could buy Activision console that snapped in there and you'd play Activision games all the way back then. So this is a storied video game company from the console days, early console days. And then for me, Blizzard is, you know, although it's got, you know, the... Uh, collectible card thing online what is it hearthstone to me blizzard's always going to be world of warcraft both both the warcraft one two three two and three specifically for me yep. and the world of warcraft franchise that's that's blizzard and so even though call of duty's a big deal it's a more recent phenomenon from my perspective and although i like shooters a lot i've, I've actually never played call of duty which i know you're gonna hate me I've never done <laughs> no, I, mean, I I completely get it. It's a very different kind of genre for a lot of people to try to come into. Well, I love shooters, but I think the the Call of Duty community might be a little rough for me to get. It's like me trying to go play <laughs> uh, League of Legends at this point, right? The toxicity yep. of the player base is very difficult to penetrate at times. <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm... I'm not sure I'm pro the merger. I'm not sure I'm con the merger. I think it's, I think what it's doing from an investor's perspective is it's creating an unnecessary distraction when Microsoft needs to be looking ahead to a pretty competitive landscape. Because um, when you look at uh, AWS, when you look at uh, Google Cloud, and you look at some of the smaller players like DigitalOcean, Microsoft is in a toe-to-toe -to -toe fight with these providers for cloud services. And when you look at operating systems, although Apple hasn't dramatically changed the game, they've been crawling that market share towards 7 8%. Not the world, but certainly not non-existent. So in, in, in an era where my, my phone has more computing power than the average desktop, it's becoming less and less relevant. The operating system for my computer is maybe less and less relevant than it used to be. And so Microsoft's in an interesting inflection point and they're trying to diversify their revenue base in a meaningful way. And the regulators are going, eh, no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. Because I, I, do, I mean, I do see the point with the splitting the revenue because I mean, there is the whole uh, news story that always comes, it feels like it comes out annually at this point where there's the conversation of how video games uh, as an industry is, uh, like the, the revenue earned through video games annually is much, much higher at this point than any like other entertainment business, um, like through movies or anything like it's, that. So it's it really is, big. Video yeah. games as a whole is a massive industry, but with what but I feel like most of that comes from either microtransactions within games or even just the mobile gaming market at this point with so many people playing just games on their phones and whatnot. And well, maybe that's where maybe that's where Microsoft is start trying to see some of the more positive because I mean, I feel like all of the eyes right now are on Call of Duty with this merger because that's that's the big thing that Sony keeps yelling about. That's what a lot of people keep yelling about. But I feel like one thing that's always overlooked is that Activision Blizzard also owns King, which is like the biggest mobile uh, game developer in the world as well, them and uh, Tencent. And that I feel like that's always overlooked that Activision Blizzard also owns that developer. And there's a lot of money coming from that through the company. Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated issue, right? I mean, there's a lot of factors that are going into it, but yeah, I just, I'm, I'm not certain I'm not certain what all the pomp and circumstance is. I think this is negative for Microsoft because, quite frankly, it's distracting their ability to um, to focus on other things. What are they offering for the, the uh, it acquisition? Is Seventy billion dollars. So uh, slightly less, but I think from what from what I remember reading, I believe it was uh, maybe it's closer to like sixty-eight. Like sixty nine billion or something, sixty eight point seven, something like that. I think it was ninety five dollars a share, is what they were offering it at. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm always curious about that kind of stuff because it strikes me that it just strikes me that uh, uh, okay. So I'm going to compare it to Salesforce acquired Slack. I don't know if you're familiar with Slack at all. 
Okay, so Salesforce spends, what, $27 billion to acquire Slack. And I'm, I'm looking at this acquisition going, dude, you could have given me $10 billion. And I would have created <laughs> the most amazing internal communications platform you ever saw in your life. You didn't need to spend $27 billion on Slack. That was unnecessary. That was, that was ridiculously overbought because you, you bought a company that was under duress for Microsoft Teams at the time you bought them already. So it was just a terrible, dumb idea because it was just a productivity product that anyone can replicate. Mm -hmm. But when you look at an acquisition for, you said, $70 billion for uh, Activision Blizzard, you're talking about almost a Disney-style acquisition of characters and franchises. And those are very much a different animal, right? Those, those help you build brand loyalty. Those help you create spinoff content, movies, uh, inter entertainment, you know, amusement park things, all that kind of stuff. Yep. And so I see more value in that type of acquisition because you're buying baked in consumer loyalty. For instance, I don't see you stopping playing Call of Duty because Microsoft owns them. Absolutely. No, I, or they I don't. don't. See <laughs> absolutely yeah absolutely not i and I, I for one am actually one of the people that i would love to see this merger go through um i've seen from what i've seen with microsoft do with uh, other uh developers and publishers that they've purchased over the last five ten years ever since they started doing kind of like the game pass thing and the subscription model for that uh all and all the publishers that they've bought to make first party games i i've seen i feel like i've seen quite a quality increase in the games when they're under uh microsoft's kind of like net uh they they just have more uh resources available to them um and having so many other developers under the same kind of umbrella they're able to reach out to each other and help each other with different projects uh like that's that's even how like call of duty has been for the last six seven years is that there's actually like four or five developing companies that all work on Call of Duty together. Uh, and they have like different like publishers within Activision that'll come out with them. They have Infinity Ward, Treyarch, like the two main ones. Uh, whereas they have like Sledgehammer and Raven Software, like a lot, a lot of other companies are all working on this together. And so bringing that under the Microsoft umbrella to have even just like more resources available, um, I, more money available to them to be able to put into these things, I, I'd see it as a massive win. Um, so absolutely not. It would not stop me from playing the games at all. Um, Wait, but I, I go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I see it as a very positive thing. I have seen a few people that have been saying it would be a bad thing, but it is to me in a, a very positive light for this acquisition to go through. Yeah, I, I see this as a as a, a an additive thing. I think that Microsoft is a storied, historic, powerful software company that has every intention of staying a powerful, intentional mm -hmm. software company. And so when you bring uh, 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 a group of products under that umbrella that require that discipline of software engineering married with creative content, they're really well suited to shepherd that forward, I think, more than, um, more than I think people think. And, and if they bring a, together enough of a catalog of content, you start to see an online service from them being really compelling. It doesn't mean that it has to be exclusivity, but it could certainly be that, well, I, I don't have to play Call of Duty on the Microsoft cloud platform, but I want to play it because that's where the best experience lies, the most accessibility, the easiest way to get to the content, all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, so this is just all about Xbox and Call of Duty then? That's that's what all the kerfuffle is? And the PS5 really, and Sony just getting pissed then? It really does feel like that. And it's, yeah, it, it really seems where that is like, yeah, the most the kerfuffle. And it, it is very, to me, it's very interesting because it is uh, Sony, I feel like, as a, as a gaming company, I'm, I'm going to leave Nintendo completely out of this because Nintendo obviously basically only makes first party games that never get released anywhere else. So that's, there's <laughs> Nintendo's their own animal to deal with. So I'll just leave them out of the conversation. But, they are, they are the uh, poster child of exclusivity. If you will. Exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but Sony has always been 
uh, between the console war, and I feel like the console war has always just been Xbox versus PlayStation. Like I said, Nintendo's kind of its own monster. Um, but Sony has always kind of murdered Xbox and exclusivity. Xbox had its one uh, game to shine with, which was Halo, back in the late 2000s, early 2010s, with like Halo 2, Halo 3. That's where Xbox shined with exclusivity. Every other kind of genre and game, though, that came out, it was always PlayStation. Like all of the, they had their God of War series, the Last of Us series. Uh, they I have mean, Spider-Man. Spider-Man and Red Dead right Redemption now, more recently. Red Dead Red yeah. Red Dead Redemption was not uh, exclusive. It wasn't exclusive, um, but to me, it was synonymous with the Sony PlayStation as it came out. So it, it, because you always assume those kind of like massive first, uh, those massive like single player games. Yeah, kind of yeah. like all you always synonymize them with PlayStation. So that's they are the, like they are the, also to me they're also the kind of poster child of uh, exclusivity. Even very recently, they they have just started maybe over the last two years. Uh, started having some of their games come out on PC. Um, it has like a remastered version, but only years after the original version of the game. Like the la the first Last of Us uh, game that came out probably 2014, 2015, if I'm remembering correctly, just came out last year on PC, uh, yeah. which is like one of their biggest exclusives. It's Whereas called Xbox, I, I, you can go, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, it's interesting you talk about that because... Kotick was kind of saying, you know, he, he discussed the Xbox Game Pass, how Activision isn't currently interested in the service because it's subscription-based, and yeah. they, they like that big, chunky revenue. And he said it was interesting. Uh, uh, he said it would degrade the economics, and, he, and, and the article goes on to say that sounded a lot like the value destruction comment PlayStation chief Jim Ryan claimed was a common opinion held by publishers. So... Um, it's interesting that the art to me, the argument that Sony's making against the merger, whether you call it anti-competitive or not, it certainly feels like it's anti-consumer because subscription models are the king these days, right? As consumers, we are very trained and expecting to see, you know, from streaming services to Amazon Prime to you name it. We, we understand the world's about subscription models because that's how you get a consistent revenue stream. And so even though that's kind of Microsoft's go-to with the Xbox Game Pass, you've got, you've got PlayStation saying, oh, that's bad for consumers. But doesn't PlayStation provide subscription-based content through their own platform for their own yes. proprietary games? Yep, they do. They have the uh, – I've used it many times myself. It's the, they have like a PlayStation Plus subscription model, uh, and you can get a lot of their first-party games. Uh, through that, that's how I was able to play The Last of Us. That's how I was able to play the first God of War, um, and a few other console exclusives that they've had. In the well, past then, well. what what is these guys' problem, man? It's like <laughs> it's okay for me to do it, but it's not okay for somebody else to even possibly do it, even though they're saying they're not gonna do it. <laughs> exactly, and that's and the big thing to me too is that this is specific. Like, and so, like, kind of what I was saying about uh, like. Sony just now bringing like some of their games, PlayStation just bringing some of their games to PC. Whereas because of Microsoft owning Xbox and then also their operating system being kind of like the necessary operating system that you need to be running on your computers if you want to play PC games, every game that comes out on Xbox comes out on PC, which makes it just that much more available to as many people as possible, seeing as PC, PC and mobile gaming by far beats out consoles and just in general. Like there's more people that have a computer and have a phone or anything else than they have an Xbox or a PlayStation. And so the, the fact that that would still be occurring under Xbox and under Microsoft, if that they were gonna they're gonna be coming out with every single first party game that they have as like in anything that'll come out with Activision Blizzard in that in the future, even if it is technically an Xbox exclusive game, it's gonna always be on a PC as well. And that's like something you never have to worry about. That's going to be available to many, many, many more people. And I feel like that's not being talked about as well. Yeah. Because under Sony, that's just something that they don't do. They, they are relying on their exclusives to sell their hardware. And that's, it's been working. They've been dominating the quote-unquote console wars for the last 
10 years at this point, ever since the PS4 came out in 2013. Well, but let's be um, honest, they're trying harder because that is a more meaningful piece of that revenue. So, I mean, Sony is a products mm -hmm. company, first and foremost, yep. but that console to them is a product and the, the content is what drives the product. But, uh, you know, uh, we t recently on the podcast, I talked about the... Apple Vision Pro, which I think you probably know, I'm pretty pretty gung ho over this product. <laughs> I think I'm I'm a little I'm a little un, unreasonably drawn to the technology. But what struck me is that Apple is a products company. Yes, they have an ecosystem. Yes, they write software, but they're a they're a consumer products company. Sony is a consumer products company, and that gives them the advantage of building a console that's likely to stay superior to Microsoft Xbox because as much as they want to be, Microsoft's not a consumer products company. That's not what they are. That's not who they are. It's not where their expertise lies. And they can go hire people. But the thing about an Apple or a Sony is they're a consumer products company from the top down. So it's probably safe to say that for the foreseeable future, they will develop design and market consoles that are going to be at least as good if not notably superior to the xbox in a lot of ways now i know that that's them's fighting words and all that stuff but <laughs> um but still i think i think that's the reality of the circumstance and microsoft's just clawing to stay relevant in that space and and i don't know that consoles drive them forward i think they're just as happy to see people playing those games on windows because they sell that product too right so Exactly. Well, crazy yeah, just, man. Just... <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just talk about like the, yeah, just continuing talking about the little the console stuff is that they've already Xbox I think came out earlier this year saying that they they're not planning on coming out with like a new console anytime soon really and uh, I think it was during these talks that it was accidentally leaked that Sony uh, is already planning on having their next, like the PlayStation 6 coming out early 2027. So like they're, they, that's, that, that is just how they move. They're just trying to push those console sales. And yeah, I don't think Microsoft is really too worried about it. They're always just trying to push the, push the software. And like, that's why they have the Game Pass system is they're just pushing that subscription model. Um, they're focused on what they're focused on basically. Yeah, so uh, they're, they're not too worried about "Quote unquote," winning the console war, like that's just not something that they've ever really cared about since they started Game Pass, because they know how successful it is. Well, it's going to be—I think it's going to be interesting as it goes forward. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a lot of theater. I—I I, I think what bothers me as a Microsoft shareholder is just I want to see them focus on things that are more additive to their total big ticket revenue items or things that push them into new market spaces. When you look at what they did with teams, um, they really pushed that space forward. They killed their own product in Skype and they degraded their own product in SharePoint. But teams, when you look at products like Slack and Zoom, they, they just got wrecked by teams. They just, just got wrecked. And so Microsoft is able to build these giant killers and be methodical about not only building them but pushing them out into the ecosystems. And they have the customer base to drive that value at. They still they still blow it a lot. Um, <laughs> in the corporate world today, a lot of people might be familiar with a little German company called SAP. And SAP has proven to be a very resilient marketer of accounting software to large enterprises. And Microsoft for years has had their Dynamics platform, which is an aggregation of tooling for an ERP system, but they just keep missing the mark. They can't break into that market space. And again, it's because it's not their core competency. So they don't have the people and the developers and the focus on what does it really take to succeed at this, this endeavor. And, and, whether or not that's going to be true for gaming, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think, I think this this is distracting. I think it's unnecessarily distracting from other venues that might drive the business forward. And I, I I don't think people should underestimate Vision Pro because although, as an early, <laughs> as an early device, it's probably going to suck. And it's probably not going to make inroads, and it's too expensive. 
the idea of virtual computing is not going away. And if somebody breaks through before Microsoft, and the odds of that are really good, because again, Microsoft's not a consumer products company, Apple is, that could change the landscape for them dramatically. Because if, if to have a really compelling virtual experience requires you to go into the Mac ecosystem, more people might do that. I know I have a problem. I admit it. <laughs> I admit it, <laughs> Kyle. But I'm telling you, man, I, it's going to be a thing. <laughs> no, I, I completely understand. I did see some, uh, you because you keep bringing it up, I did see some upsetting news about the Vision Pro a little bit earlier. People complaining uh, it was too heavy or something like that. No, no. Uh, Pet Crunch, um, who I, I follow on Twitter, they tweet out like a lot of things going on in the tech world. Um, lots of articles and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, they have reported that that Apple is slashing the Vision Pro production and is pushing back uh, the production on their cheaper model that will be coming out sometime in the future as well. So it's not looking great for that off the rip. And I think that's mostly just coming from the announcement of the uh, sale price. Yeah, the price point sent people scurrying. I mean, it needed to be close to the cost of a Mac Pro because essentially it's a Mac Pro you wear on your head is what it amounts to. And they almost doubled the cost of the Mac Pro. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, the MacBook Pro is just cheaper and does the same thing, although it doesn't yeah. have the cool UI and the floating and all that. But it'll be interesting, yeah, to see where yeah. it ends up. But. Yeah, but you can never be surprised with Apple overpricing anything because it wasn't that the thing with the with their iMac a few years ago where they sold the like the stand for the iMac completely separately and it was also like a thousand dollars yeah it's they're absurd <laughs> well, I, but, but yet you look at the uh what do they call it the the iWatch Ultra or the Apple Watch Ultra Apple Watch Ultra yep eight hundred dollars for a watch and they're selling yeah. the crud out of those things it is very popular it's yeah. it's it's it is, ridiculous it, is, it, is, it does do some really cool stuff and it is an extremely extremely durable watch but it is a lot of money for it's it. 800 bucks for an apple watch <laughs> <laughs> let's call a duck a duck here man <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. And yet I still find myself, and I don't even like Apple that much. I'm like, man, I want one of those watches now, but I can't do it because I got to get my Vision Pro. And I, I'm, I'm like going to be saving up for three years to buy a Vision Pro. It's absurd. But think, <laughs> think about the things you'll be able to do with an Apple Watch and the Vision Pro together synchronously. Oh, hush. <laughs> we're, we're way off topic here. So, yeah, um, so basically, um, we've got, uh, we've got, uh, an ongoing battle where Microsoft has met resistance both in the UK and in the US from the FTC in the US to the merger between Microsoft and Activision Blizzard and the, the saga is in court with the Federal Trade Commission and it continues today so we should have an answer somewhat soon though well um, I think I think there's always follow-up salvos don't you or you think there'll be an, an initial ruling the by the FTC the the judge uh was said to have expected to have a ruling before july 18th yeah it's it'll block the deal or not it says it's finally it's the according to the article on the verge it says it's the final and fifth day of the ftc versus microsoft which means this hearing is nearly over so they are um they're getting to the end of the process and then there'll be a ruling i think coming out and then from there we'll see where it goes next but yep. it's going to be interesting yeah, it'll be it will be interesting because from from the quotes that I've seen the the judge talk about, it seems likely that she's leaning in Microsoft's favor, um, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see her end up allowing it. But obviously, the UK is still uh, against it as well. But the EU did pass it. The EU said it was all cool. So well, maybe you... with the the US and the EU saying yes, either Microsoft and Activision might whole offices out of the UK to make it go through or there or the UK will just kind of be strong armed into saying yes as well. That would be interesting because I have to imagine with 65 million people or so on an island, there's a lot of Call of Duty fans in the UK, don't you think? Yep. That would really oh, piss some people off. That would be hilarious. <laughs> you know, but uh, like with most countries that are kind of bent in that direction, you get what you, you ask for. And when you when you take these kind of stands isolated from the rest of the world, it shouldn't surprise you that bad things are going to happen to you. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Oh well, it is what it is. I'm a big I'm a big fan of the UK generally, but some of their politics kind of have me scratching my head, the, to be honest with you. Yeah, their politics and their breakfast can't get away. Uh, you know, man, a good plowman's <laughs> lunch is a, a beautiful thing, and uh, the curry in the UK is outstanding. I mean, you're not going to find better curry outside of India, I don't think. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, that I, I, is there any any closing thoughts you got on that, Kyle, or you or you think we kind of beat that horse to death a little bit? Yeah, I mean, really, the the only thing left that I have to say is kind of reiterating that I, I do see this as a, a positive thing. I don't think really that there's anything anti-competitive going on. I guess one thing we didn't talk about was uh, a somewhat large acquisition with Microsoft owning Bethesda uh, as of a few years ago, Xenix, Bethesda, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then them do like they are saying that the uh, that all titles coming out from Bethesda from now on uh, will be Xbox slash PC exclusive uh, for, from Microsoft. But I think even the judge uh, or even uh, the the Sony uh, interactive um, boss, like Jim Ryan, I think he even came out publicly said that he doesn't even see those as um, anti-competitive. So, well, Bethesda is more of a niche market. I don't think they have. I mean, they're not terrible but they have a very different user base i think and they they, they tend are, to be yeah. more I mean, solo games do they not they are they yeah. are all they are almost exclusively single player games they have had a few like uh fallout 76 is a uh completely online game but they do mostly focus on the single player aspect like the, the elder Scrolls series and fallout series and yeah whatnot. that's that's where elder scrolls is how i'm familiar with them so yeah elden elden yeah almost feels good elden Elder, Elder, Scrolls. Elder. Thinking, yeah, I thought I'm it was get, Elder I'm getting, Scrolls. I'm getting mixed with Elden Ring. Yeah, I thought you were kind of confusing <laughs> two metaphors there in your gaming worlds, yeah. man. Alrighty, well, we'll see how this pans out. But I mean, you know, I, the, our our goal on this podcast is to help people of all generations uh, save and invest and 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 build a brighter financial future. And so, it's it's worth pointing out that if if something like this goes through. You know, there are going to be people within the organization to get negatively impacted by it. There are going to be people that might um, be found redundant, I believe is the British word for it. So if you've got <laughs> both companies have an accounting function, the accounting function that sits at Activision Blizzard is probably going to have a rough time when they get acquired by um, Microsoft. Same for the HR functions. That's sort of the redundant functions between the companies. So... Um, mm. It's why we always talk about at the Piggy Bank Chronicles saving for a rainy day because for some of these folks, if this succeeds, as good as it might be for us as gamers, it might be negative for them. So it's worth putting that out there and making people aware that, you know, corporations don't last forever. All things come to an end and um, we need to be prepared for what tomorrow brings. So... I'm throwing that out there because that's uh, I'm I'm working more on the focus and the mission of our podcast, so I had to do that. It's like a public service announcement. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and then uh, to to stick with that, how do you think if if the acquisition goes through, how do you think that affects Microsoft stock value? So typically it will vary, right? But you would expect in a, if it's this is a cash and stock or just cash acquisition. Uh, it is, uh, it, from what I had read, they are looking to purchase it at $95 a share plus cash options, I think. Okay. So, I mean, typically you'll see the, it, it, it generally, you won't see a big impact right away. If, if people think that over the long term, it's going to be positive, you might see the stock go up. People think they paid too much. You might see the stock go down. There's going to be some accounting gymnastics where there'll be um, the bonus will get recorded on Microsoft Books as goodwill, and they'll either have to write it off or not over time. So it's it, it there is no distinctly predictable outcome. But to me, I don't see this acquisition moving the needle very much for them. If it moved them five percent in either direction, I'd be super surprised it might and I'd, I'd almost bet that it would move them down on day one if if there's any cash component to the acquisition because it it takes the cash out of their coffers it makes them a little bit more vulnerable to a downturn in market conditions even though they've got tremendous revenue broad perspective 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a good question. It's a, I think as an investor in those companies, you definitely want to know what you think it's going to do, what your hypothesis is going to be. Uh, do you think it's going to make them jump up? Or I, I, I Similar to what you're saying, I think it will be very, very little if it does. I think... I think it's one of those things where because of how massive the gaming industry is in the world, I think it will be a net positive over time, especially. And I do think it like in the, and I'm saying like the long, long future, uh, like, like 15, 20 years kind of down the road. I think that's where we're really going to start seeing the, the main, main benefits, uh, from this acquisition, but off the, off the rip, I think you're going to see people excited about it. So it might jump up a tiny, tiny bit, but yeah, I don't think it's gonna be anything crazy. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think if it's Microsoft's ability to monetize the franchises that Activision Blizzard represents in new and interesting ways that really could tell the long term tale of this. So well, Kyle, uh, on our on our show, we have a little tradition about bacon bits, and you and I chatted a little bit before. But of course, as usual, I come to this conversation virtually unprepared, and like a <laughs> pro, I'm going to wing it, right? So uh, essentially, what we're going to do for this, this week's bacon bit, this little tidbit at the end, is you and I are going to talk about our top three favorite video games of all time. I think we had agreed to that, right? Yeah. We agreed to it and I summarily forgot about it and here we are. So <laughs> um, so I will I will defer and let you go first for your number three while I hastily prepare my list. <laughs> okay. Uh, there will be quite a theme. Um, oh, there's a of, theme. Of my, okay. Uh, <laughs> and, and, and I mean, not, not, not on purpose. It's just the, the kind of person I am, the video games that I've played my entire life. It's They've all kind of been in the the same oh so there's a genre genre collapse is more than a theme is what you're saying yes a little bit of Uh, biased if you will absolutely uh and at at number three uh it is a game that uh has has not been around for too too long it did have uh, the original um version of it but the sequel is the one i will put at my favorite came out in 2017 uh, and it's the one that I keep playing to this day with you and some other people, and that will be Destiny Two. Oh my um, goodness! It's, it's it's already here. <laughs> it's it Destiny Number Two. Number three. Wow. It, yeah, Destiny Two is one of those things. It's one of those games that just really scratches my itch for something I've always looked for, which is I growing up I never got to play like the peak of RuneScape or World of Warcraft, these massive MMOs where everyone is playing it. You get the uh, the full like questing line when playing with your friends and collecting all this really cool gear and getting to go on these massive raids. I never got to be in the peak of that. I never had a, uh, a PC to play during that. All I had was a PlayStation 2 at the time. Um, and that, that didn't even really know about these kinds of games existing. Uh, and being such a massive fan of first-person shooters, as we've already kind of discussed with Call of Duty, it just hits that perfect mix for me of being a really fun, fluid, good shooter game that also has all of those MMO elements uh, of getting to like kind of explore different worlds and go on raids and do these dungeons uh, with friends. And it, it just it, it hits that like kind of perfect mix for me right now. And it's definitely become very very quickly become one of my top three favorite games of all time so so i, I want to put it in there i do i played an absurd amount of hours of destiny but there are three other games <laughs> that have played <laughs> and even more absurd and of course although full disclosure destiny is by far the game i play the most right now yeah i don't think it's going to hold the same spot in the pantheon of all time as these other games so i'm oh man i hear you i feel you but i I don't think they i i I, i'm gonna lump it into a genre and say it's certainly the current that's current the current iteration of that genre but i'll talk about it so my number three really quick older game it represents this is a game that represents a franchise and and by franchise let me not a franchise it represents a genre of games specifically real time strategy games this one is warcraft 3 because to me warcraft 3 was a game that we played so much of for so long and it was an rts that just 
kind of it just was really scratched uh, an RTS itch at the time. We played games like Total Annihilation, and these other things a ton, but Warcraft Three is an RTS that that sort of symbolizes all RTSs that have been these huge time sinks for my life, and um, and that's the one that I'm going to go back to. It's it's not one I play today. It's not one I played in years, <laughs> but it's it's one I remember fondly. So. Yeah, no, I I don't have too uh, too much experience in that genre. Um, I've tried playing uh, I, Halo. Tried to make their own version of it with Halo Wars a little while ago. Yeah, and, and yeah. it had its own yeah. little fan base. I tried it, never really got into it. Um, really, my experience with Warcraft Three is uh, playing just like the kind of custom games. Right. Um, yeah, that was a huge part them. of it for sure. It extended the game yeah. for a long time. I think. Yeah, but I've never tried. I've never actually tried like what the actual base game is supposed to be like before. So, so I've played more Warcraft two um, mini games, I think, than I played Warcraft three. Warcraft three is very much about the artist, <laughs> but I'm going to say the entire line of two and three, they're interchangeable to me. They came at different points in my life. Played them both a lot. Played Warcraft three more than two. Played two as a mini game engine more than three, but they both been out there. Yeah, absolutely. So what's your number two, Kyle? Since Destiny made three. Oh, like you don't yeah. even like the game at all. Like it's trash. <laughs> I have put many, many hours. I played Destiny 1 a lot when it first came out, but I just I didn't have a, a group of friends to play uh, with, so I never really got to do any in-game content. And so having the opportunity to do that now with our little group has been as, oh, as, yeah. I think it's contributed to that a lot. Rating is the key. Um, Rating is super exactly. fun. It's super fun. Uh, but coming in at number two, and this might actually be a very controversial take. Oh, I'm uh, sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is It is another game that is part of, uh, or it is a game that is part of a massive franchise. Uh, I think there have been six iterations of the, six or seven iterations of the game that have come out by now. Uh, and I will say I don't believe that this is the best game of this franchise, but to me it's the it's my favorite and the most fun I had, and I think that had partially to to the timing that it was out. Uh, but Halo Reach um, will be my number two game. I people that play the Halo franchise uh, and have been playing it for a long time, I agree. Halo Two and Halo Three are the better games. <laughs> um, but Halo Reach itself is is my favorite. Like I said, I think it mostly has uh, to do with the time it came around, out around uh, was right during middle school uh, and the beginning of high school with me. And it had the best system for custom games that any of the Halo games have ever had. It's better than the ones that they have in the new games now with Halo Infinite and Halo 5 had uh, with just like the, the options that you were able to do when it's Forge mode. And for that, almost exclusively, is why it makes it to my number two. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, I don't. I, I mean, that may be controversial in terms of your choice of that, but like, uh, from a novel, a novel perspective, I think the Fall of Reach is considered one of the better Halo novels out there, and that storyline is more iconic yes. to the Halo universe. So it it makes sense, right? I mean, yes, yeah. the the Halo The Halo Reach story is actually looked at as probably one of the best like stories within the Halo franchise, but most people still always look at the Halo multiplayer as kind of like the the end all and be all of what Halo was supposed to be. And the Halo Reach multiplayer is kind of what changed the direction of Halo, which is why many people kind of look at it in a negative light where they ha you started getting like abilities um, with being able to have like an armor charge to like shield yourself with and uh, you being able to sprint in the game and jetpacks and stuff. And so a lot of people got frustrated with that. And like, I completely understand and I completely kind of agree. It did really change what Halo felt like from that point. But the fun you're able to have with your friends going into those custom games with so many different options that were able to happen with it was, it really was just kind of like peak Halo to me. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's a good call. I mean, ultimately, you just picked the same game twice for three and two because... Yeah. Yeah. Bungie makes Halo. Bungie makes Destiny. They're they're shooters. Yeah. yeah. Bungie, Bungie <laughs> stopped making the, the, that was Halo Reach was uh, the three four threes I think. Oh really? Who took over Bungie, Halo then? Three four three industries. Okay, interesting. Okay, well, but Bungie was the creator of Halo, right? And they were yes, yes. Destiny, Bungie so. made Halos one through three. Yeah. Uh, okay, no, no. I, Bungie didn't make Halo Reach. Bungie was Halos. Uh, 
or Re Halo Reach was Bungie's last Halo. Oh, really? Okay. Right. Yeah. Well, my number two is not a shooter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think... I, it's interesting, right? When I give honorable mentions, I'm going to have to name some games that are shooters. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my number two is not a shooter. It's a game that uh, soaked up a ridiculous amount of personal time for me. Uh, it's the one we all know we all love. It's Rocket League. <laughs> the RLCS is great to watch, but Rocket League is just super fun to play. I just, I think it's just, and I, I'm not even a big soccer fan, but Rocket League is just a really cool MOBA type game. I, I think when I think about the amount of time I played League of Legends, which was pretty substantial, I, it sort of falls in the same category as me, but I always got to put Rocket League above that. It's just, it's just such a seminal game for me so that's oh, no rocket i i completely agree rocket league i will say is definitely one of my honorable mentions um uh, it's it is just it's it's almost one of those things where it's you could look at it as a perfect game because it is so simple to understand uh like if you're just watching it you understand what's happening they're playing soccer but it's cars that can fly around it's extremely simple to kind of get the grasp of what the game is but the skill ceiling for the game is ridiculously high. It's one of those games that you can play all day, every day, and still learn something new every time you play it. Oh, it's yeah. And one day I will learn something as I play. <laughs> 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 yep, it's a great game. It really is a great game. And it's and you're right. I mean, I, 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 like if I watch an RLCS, a Rocket League Championship Series match, and I watch these guys doing amazing things and flying through the air, and then I go play, and I'm like, I can do that. I, I could definitely, and you know, I, I don't do it nearly as well, but I hit the ball in the air sometimes. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. So, <laughs> not often, but it does happen. You know. So, Kyle, now we come to number one. I have a bold prediction about what your number one is. I think it may be a franchise game. I think, I think we may have talked about it today. It's very possible. It, and, uh, it may be embroiled at the center of a controversy. <laughs> <laughs> it, it may even be another first-person shooter game. It could uh, be. It, there is there is a consistent theme to those shows. Kyle, what is your yes. number one video game of all time? My my favorite video game of all time is Pikmin. What? No, I'm completely. Is it really? That's outstanding. No, okay. no, no. My favorite video game of all time is Call of Duty Four: Modern Warfare. Oh wow! Um, Very specifically, calling out a version of the franchise for others to argue yes. with. <laughs> I, I don't think that's extremely controversial. No. I think there <laughs> okay. there are okay. there are three games specifically in the Call of Duty franchise that are probably looked at as the most people's favorites, and it would be Call of Duty Four, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Two, and not the one that came out this or not the one that came out last year, but the original Modern Warfare Two that came out in two thousand nine. Okay, uh, and then Black Ops Two. Um, those are the kind of three that are looked at as like the pinnacle of what Call of Duty can be. Uh, Call of Duty Four was my third iteration of playing a call of duty game i started with call of duty 2 but it was the one that really turned the face of what first person shooters are um and it's also the one that i just really put the most time into it's the one that i uh started uh competing in um shooters and like video games in general that's where i got my start in esports at the time um and so it all it just holds a very very near and dear place to my heart uh i think it came out in 2007. I don't think I stopped playing it until probably 2011, 2012. Wow. Uh, I had in-game hours. I don't, I, I don't remember the hours, but you were able to see like days played within the game, and I had over 130 days of like actual gameplay time um, by the time I was done playing it. And then even a few years ago, they came out with a remastered version of it, and I still sunk many many hours into the new version of it that was all updated with the the prettier graphics and whatnot so well, that's uh, that's cool yeah that's ridiculous kyle i mean spot. <laughs> so basically you don't play any game that's not a shooter is what i'm hearing you say i i i definitely play my fair share of non-shooters i love a lot of single player games i'm playing diablo 4 a ton right now um, so it's a looter stabber, not a looter shooter. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I, if, to make it to make it worse, I do use the rogue character. Which of course you bow, do. So. Of course you do. <laughs> so so I, there's still the shooter aspect in it for me. But I, I mean, I 
I, I play I feel like I play a wide variety of games, but shooters are just kind of like my my bread and butter. I can go jump on any kind of shooter and immediately be successful in it just because of how much time I put into it throughout my entire life. So so we can throw some honorable mentions out there and my honorable mentions will include shooters for sure. I love shooters. Lots of them I played throughout the year. So no complaints there. I my number one game. I hate it to be my number one game. I am, as I describe it now, I'm almost 15 years clean and sober on this game. Uh, oh, wow. I've got my 15 year chip that I haven't played it since then. But no video game has ever consumed my life more inappropriately than the world of Warcraft. And <laughs> that game, I was at a time where. MMOs had come from Ultima Online and Eve, uh, not Eve Online, but uh, 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 was it was it EverQuest, I think, or an EverQuest Two, or whatever those those MMO genres were. To World of Warcraft, and and what World of Warcraft did was bring that more esoteric, more difficult, more persistent multiplayer game world to the masses in a lightning rod way with. 40-man raids, 25-man raids, 20-man raids. You know, it was it was an amazing experience. And it was the most immersive, grindy gameplay you could ever imagine, right? And although the thought of playing the game now actually makes me cringe because I, I played <laughs> it so much, I can't stand it anymore. But the amount of time I sunk into that game, it would be, it would be disrespectful not to call it out. It's certainly my most played game of all time. And the one that, as I look around today at the Destinies, at uh, Zenith and these new MMOs, every one of them, even though I want them to be different and more, the standard that I measure them against is World of Warcraft. That's the minimum I, expectation for an MMO. So, And I completely understand that. And that's, that's kind of like what I was saying earlier. I, I feel like I never got to experience that peak of gaming. Uh, I feel like prime world of warcraft like the burning crusades coming out i feel like that's what kind of people refer to as like when gaming was at its peak in general uh and yeah, yeah i feel like i was just i was born it's, in the wrong it's decade. still there i have so, a friend that's still raiding three days a week in world of warcraft and they're still paying blizzard ten dollars a month to play so that's wild it's 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 still going it's it's I, incredible the longevity this game has shown absolutely and i will uh uh, I, with you saying comparing everything with like World of Warcraft as a, uh, as kind of like your base for comparing MMOs to, I feel like the only company that I can think of that has the resources and the, uh, like the, the storytelling and the gameplay design behind them that could not knock it down, but maybe rival like a, the quality of MMO would be what Riot is working on right now. Oh, a true believer emerges from the woodwork here. So you, <laughs> so I'm I'm a huge Riot fan. I played more League of Legends than you should be legally allowed to do. Um, I think they're they're a great company, and I think when you look at what they did with Arcane and that television show, it was the best animated show I have ever seen. Period. It was amazing, and so Riot. If anybody's going to deliver an MMO experience that would be compelling. I think Riot could do it. So if, if that's in the works, dude, sign it's, me up. <laughs> it it absolutely, Riot has taken, Riot's basically trying to become their own, uh, I mean, they are their own uh, publishing and developing company, but they're trying to be part of every genre. They they just came out, they, I mean, they came out with Valorant a few years ago for the kind of like the FPS genre. They are coming out with a uh, side-scrolling fighting game similar to like Tekken and Street Fighter. Uh, and yeah, they, they're supposed to be coming out somewhat soon. And that they're working on the, uh, they've come out with a few single player games already as well. And they're working on the MMO. But the MMO is a delicate instrument because one yes. of the problems you have, Destiny, we play a lot of Destiny. I like Destiny, but Destiny is a good example. This, this, this quest, this, this progression-based gaming when you hit the pinnacle and then the bar moves forward and the things that you had at that pinnacle that you thought, oh man, this is what makes my character cool. He's got this gun, he's got this armor. 
and then it all becomes garbage in, in a day with the wave of a digital <laughs> hand. And that one aspect of MMOs is something I think needs to be addressed because you want that constant questing for more, but you don't want it to feel so abrupt and so instantly grindy and, and that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see if Riot can come up with a better mechanism than what Destiny and its, its ilk are putting out into the universe. Destiny is a... I don't know, man. It's it's. It, I wanted it to be World of Warcraft with guns. It is not. It, it's it's not. almost like it's just a. The entire world of Destiny just feels like a really big lobby to play around in, while you go play PvP or Gambit or a raid or dungeons and stuff. So it's. It just could be so much more. The the fact that when you were in World of Warcraft, you jumped on your mount. And you traveled all throughout the world on that server, and you didn't feel the effects of zoning in so often. You could wander anywhere throughout the zone and try to do what you wanted to do. And I, even though it was just as much on rails, I think as um, as uh, Destiny is, it didn't feel that way. World of Warcraft had a way of making you feel like you were out in the world doing your thing. So. Yeah, the open world was more actual open world. It was just yeah. kind of landing zones that you could go visit. And but, actively, yeah. So, so honorable mentions for me: League of Legends, uh, Destiny, uh, the entire Civilization franchise, and the Endless Space franchise. Those are uh, <laughs> 4X games. My brother and I played a ton of 4X games. We enjoy playing those quite a bit. So, those franchises are really good. Um, Total Annihilation from back in the day. The original RTS for that that got me hooked on the RTS <laughs> genre, and then way way back in the day, you could throw in games like Wolfenstein and all that. But um, yeah. those are some honorable mentions. How about you? What are what are the honorable mentions yeah. you have there? Uh, uh, similar to you, I will. League of Legends has to go in there. Uh, I, as a Riot lover and as a lover of that game, it has to fit. Uh, Rocket League as well. Oh uh, yeah. definitely in there. Um, Should have been in your top King three, but I'm going to let that slide. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Uh, Kingdom Hearts, uh, mm -hmm. the yeah. franchise as a whole, but also Kingdom Hearts 2 specifically, is just very, very near and dear to my heart. Uh, and then also the Grand Theft Auto series. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Like Grand Theft Auto 5 specifically, and the whole GTA Online uh, was a very, it's still a massive game as of today. People do the whole role playing servers and everything, and it's. If that that one is also pretty great too. Uh, nice. to, I feel like it has to go in honorable mentions at the very least. Yeah, never. I've seen it, played it once. Not a huge fan, but I get I get the appeal. It is a very open world concept game, so I, I do get the appeal. Well, man. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention shooters like uh, Battlefield Two, Battlefield Bad Company, uh, Battlefield Heroes. 1942, Battlefield Heroes. I am a nut for the Battlefield franchise, but <laughs> I, I couldn't, in good conscience, put them in as this Battlefield 2042 or whatever it was was just such a terrible <laughs> launch that shame okay. on them for just 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 really damaging a storied franchise. So, well, Kyle. I think that's going to wrap it up. We've kept these folks long enough. We probably let them get, need to let them get back to their lives, I think. But it has been a lot of fun talking <laughs> to you about this. And Yeah, uh, no, I completely, I very much appreciate you letting me come out. It's been a fun topic to discuss. Oh, happy to have you anytime. I look forward to doing it again. And we can find something interesting where we maybe merge gaming and, and money conversations together. I, I think that would probably jazz us both up. So um, until... Yeah. Until next time, Kyle, thanks for coming, and I will talk to you soon. And for the, uh, I don't know if you want to say any farewell to the folks. or <laughs> Yeah, thank, thanks everyone for stopping by and listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Keep on listening. Amen to that. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> All right, folks, thank you all for hanging out with us. We look forward to talking to you again in a week. Take care. Bye. This podcast is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors and content is for entertainment and educational purposes only. You should do your own research or consult a professional investment advisor before making any investment decisions. And as always, thanks for listening to the Piggy Bank Chronicles.